you have to stop and get people's attention now. Mm-hmm. If you are doing the same thing as everybody else in every picture, how are you going to stand out? Hello, I'm Steve Class with the business breakthrough you've been waiting for. We're here taking service businesses to a million dollars and beyond. Let's see what kind of impact the next 30 minutes will have on your life and your business. What is going on, everyone? This is Steve Class here. Uh, just wrapped up yesterday my podcast with Samantha from Samantha Net Photography. Um, she is an incredible person, a dynamo. Um, she lost her photography business about 13 years ago after working decades in corporate America. First couple of years was definitely a struggle. I think she said she only made $3,000 her first year in business. She never gave up, um, built her, her brand and her business to extraordinary heights. Um, where she's supporting, supporting herself, making more than she ever did in a nine to five job. And we get deep into the weeds on personal branding. This is her personal niche and why it's so imperative, important as a business owner for you to stand out in the crowd, to have your own branding structure. And we also go into the importance of streamlining operations and what a CRM software is and why that's crucial to to running really any service-based small business. It sets you apart from the amateurs, professionalizes your business, um, and really can capture the essence of customer service. So without further ado, let's tune into the episode. Thanks, everyone. All right. I'm sitting here with Samantha Annette from Samantha Annette Photography. My uh, good friend, my pal, she actually did my branding photos, which is how we kind of connected. Um, she is an excellent person to be around, a really, really beautiful human being also. Um, and we're here just to have a little bit of chat about her photography business, to learn a little bit more about it, how she got her start, and really ultimately what led her to be such a, a successful businesswoman as she is now. So I'd love to kind of bring it back, uh, rewind the clock to early day teenage Samantha. No, oh, right? That's really, we're going way back. <laughs> yeah, we're going, we're going way back. I, I want to really learn the first moments of when you noticed and you had an eye for photography when you, you took an interest, because I believe you have a really exceptional past that's on you that's not the norm i would say <laughs> so take me through a little bit of the journey of when you first had like that aha moment like this is something you really wanted to pursue potentially so i always loved photography even as a very young child i loved photography i i had an old 35 millimeter 35 millimeter camera with the old like flash bulbs on the top that sure. cu- the cubes that you would stick on the top um that does say a little bit how old i am but <laughs> um, and then i had you know the the um uh, instant cameras and like the Polaroids, all that stuff. But it wasn't really until I got a little older. Um, I would say, well, let's say like 17, 18, I really started to love photography, but never in a million years did I think of it as like, oh, this could be my career. This could be what I do for a living. Like it, it, that didn't come until way later. Um, my best friend, uh, at the time when I was 12 and 13 is still my best friend today. And she, her kids called me auntie flash because, <laughs> uh, and for the reasons of photography, not something like loot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. So, that's a different podcast. That's a different podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. So they called me auntie flash because I was always like running around with a camera. And to this day, like the only picture she has of her kids are the ones that I was running around taking um, so she has all these great memories and, um, you know, I, I sort of let photography go for many years. Um, I got married and then 
subsequently divorced. And in the timing of my divorce, I had also just been laid off from a job. Um, I had been doing sales, some sort of sales since the age of 15. I went and got working papers. And what kind of sales initially? What were we talking about? So like, like, it, like right to customers, like your neighborhood kind of like, hey, I'll I have do done it. that. But at the <laughs> time it, it started out as pet supply sales oh, okay. in like a pet store. Uh, it was a small chain that eventually got purchased by Petco, but it was not Petco when I first started working there. Sure. Um, and so I was started out as like the cashier, but I was so chatty and talkative and like, uh, so they were like, you are on the sales floor. Yeah. I was very young. I was 15 out on the wow. sales floor and I was educating people about collars and dog food and like all this stuff. Um, and so I was there for a really, really long time. Um, but and my sales and went from like there to like I sold copiers door to door. I did like, I mean, I was I, I've sold so many so many things. I can't even. There's there was a lot. There. So it's not a stretch to say that you've been in this business for for decades and like from a teenager you're yes. getting comfortable communicating yes. with from people. fifteen to I'm forty five now. So like, what is that thirty 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 years yeah, that yeah. I've been in some sort of sales. To the point where I started sales so young, I slowly started to move into bigger positions and bigger positions and sales management positions. And I was in mortgage. I was a mortgage consultant for seven years. And um, then I worked for a Fortune 1000 company. Uh, they created a position for me. Oh, wow. Um, a sales trainer position. And I, when I first applied to this job, they were like, no, you don't have, I didn't end up going to college because I started college and my mother passed away. So mm. it was like, I couldn't manage it at the time. So I just went to work and I was selling computers. <laughs> sure. So I sold gateway computers for like four years. Um, and Sounds I, like I, my past. I looked at Staples selling copiers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I was there for a long time. I was making really good money. I was like, I don't need college, I'm fine. So from there, I, you know, I, I this company, um, they basically created a position for me um, but it took me a year for them to hire me because a college degree was required to work for this company. Interesting. And I did not have one. And they put me through nine interviews, uh, through wow. all different levels of management because I sort of like, I seemed to have all the qualities they wanted, but there was this like one piece of paper thing that they couldn't get past. So they kept pushing me up to someone higher to interview me that they thought would have the ability to like be like, okay, we'll let the college degree thing go. Sure. I had to drive to Massachusetts for interviews. It was absolutely crazy. And it's, I it's amazing back then how much emphasis was put on a piece of paper. Yes. And not the necessarily ex the years of experience that you had yes. actually doing sales prior to that. Yes. Um, they did eventually hire me. They I broke through the barriers. <laughs> they hired me. Yeah. And I killed it there. And every goal they gave me, like I knocked out of the park and I started doing training some of their their people there also. And um, you know, I was doing like promotional products and things for businesses and then they had dry like it was it was a uniform company. Mm -hmm. So they I was also training their people out doing uniform delivery, how to sell and how to and on me alone, I was selling like $10,000 a week. In wow, that's incredible. It was crazy. They kept, they started me out at like, let's see if you can do a thousand a week. Yeah. I was like, you okay. You 10X it, literally. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, but that job, like I, it was okay. It really wasn't like, I didn't love it. Um, sure. I was making a lot of money, but I just, my heart wasn't in it. And eventually found my way at, 
that's where I went into mortgages and all those things. And then the market crashed. It became really hard to make money. Um, so then I worked for a sewer and drain company as a manager there. Um, and that's when I finally, I got a layoff. They were like, we can't afford to pay your salary for the winter. So we're laying you off. And I just decided at that point, that is when my, someone in my family passed away. I was going through a divorce at the same time. It was like a really wild time. I lived on this little horse farm and I just was like, you know what? I'm just gonna buy a camera, a real one this time. No, oh, when days. you say you lived on a horse farm, you owned this horse I farm. I did, I owned, I Which is crazy into itself. <laughs> So in the midst of all this happening, you working, you know, working your butt off. I was working from like 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. And I was, I owned a horse farm, which my, like I got divorced. So I was running it by myself. Wow. It was a six stall barn and I had borders. So like I had people renting stalls for me. So I was taking care of my horses, my horse, their horses, working the full time Doing the feeds, doing doing. I, I felt like I was stuck in this, like, just like Groundhog's Day. It was so unhealthy and it felt like, I felt like it was just bad. <laughs> so when I got this layoff, I was kind of relieved that I have a break, but also I was very stressed out. And I'd always loved photography. So that is when I did something dumb and I took all the money I had left in savings and I bought a DSLR camera. Um, hindsight, I was really glad I did that because that actually like sort of propelled all of this into what it is today. So. I was just photographing like bugs and birds and like Horses. sitting in the field, like photographing like, you know, things that really didn't move very much. And I created a Facebook page on on Facebook just so I didn't annoy my friends with, with all of like, sure. like all the posting. And someone said, oh, will you photograph my daughter? And I was like, what are you nuts? Like, no, I photograph bugs. <laughs> like, I don't photograph people. No, that scared me so much. And she offered me $40 for gas to do it. And at the time I had just gotten laid off, I was collecting unemployment. And I was like, bucks, hey. that's dinner. Yeah. Dinner's out somewhere or we're at groceries. So I eat some ramen noodles, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I said, okay. And the photos, I actually surprised myself. I really liked some of the images. And I, to be fair, I got very lucky. Mm -hmm. There was uh, some, some images that were good for a beginner, but I didn't know what I was doing. But it was enough to make me go, oh, I wonder. I'm on to something maybe here. Right. Yeah. So I just started photographing all my friends' families for $40 <laughs> just to practice. Not bad, yeah. Um, and and then I was like, okay, I hate my, I dis, the job that I'm doing right now that I fulfilling. wasn't fulfilling. Sure. And um, it was not what I felt like I should be doing with my life. Sure. And I felt I, the same way too in my position. You know, it was, I knew it really wasn't something I wanted to do working in the city. And the pain wasn't severe enough where I was going to quit. Yeah. I was like, ah, this is what it is. Maybe I'll slowly build up a side business. But until that moment happens, and it was thrust upon me and during COVID, it's like you need almost need someone to come physically knocking like you're done yeah. to give you that opportunity to open the door to start up your own business. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. I just said, okay, I'm going to treat photography like it's a full-time job. I'm just going to bust my butt learn as much as I can. And then when they call me in the spring to come back, I'm either they're going to go back or I'm going to say, I'm all set. Thank you very much. So you gave yourself that six month buffer. Let's just yeah. Say. It wasn't six months quite, but it was like, it was like 
three and a half. Okay. That's <laughs> aggressive. Yeah. To start from the zero. Yeah. Yeah. But I literally knew nothing about my camera. I flipped it into manual mode and I was like, okay, this week I'm learning about aperture. This week I'm learning about like, I mean, it was just like, yep. I literally took, I bought a book and I just started learning and I never went back to that job. It was a struggle. The first year I only made $4,000. Oh God. <laughs> but. Lived off some savings. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but I, yeah, it was, that was how it started. I, 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 and I, yeah, I mean. So, so you started with the, the photography business. You only made $4,000 like that first year. Yeah. Now, obviously you had years of sales experience. It did. That you wanted to, I, I would assume, bring to the table of this. Yeah. You're like, I, you can probably see like what other photographers are doing and saying, I could do that so much better. Like maybe my quality isn't there. Someone's doing it for 20 years, but you have a knack. What I did to hide the quality not being so good was I, so one of the things that happened is after I moved out of the horse farm, I moved into a house uh, in New Haven in the Westville area, which was like very artsy. And I was like, all right, this is now like, this is it. I'm going to start, this is like the perfect area for me to be. I'm going to kickstart my sure. photography career. And I moved into this house and then I woke up the next morning and I was really sick. And then I got sicker and then I got sicker and I got sicker. And it turns out there was very extreme high levels of toxic mold in this house. Oh God. And so uh, I was very, very, very ill uh, and it nearly killed me. And so I wasn't able to start my business right away. Mm. I was photographing enough to keep the bills paid, but I was in bed most of the time. And so what I did with that time, though, is I studied marketing. I studied retouching. I was like, the way you can tell a beginner is, is like, yes, the lighting is not so great. But the retouch, like, there's just, take some time to, to, to create and hold that photographer's eye. Like, there are things that you don't see as a beginner that you see as a more advanced photographer. Sure. Weird color hues, even just flyaway hair. Well, I like, noticed that when we did our photography session, it instantly, the photo looked beautiful to me. You're like, no, we gotta do this. We have to adjust this lighting here. We have to move this here. And now, now we have to make it perfect. Yeah. And that just takes time. But, you know, what I would do is I didn't take the best photos, but I learned how to retouch really well so I could fake it. Sure. Um, but the health thing was, was, annoying because I, I had this, I was like, I'm going to chase my passion. And then I kind of got kicked a little with being sick. Um, so that illness came and went. When did you figure, find out that it was actually due to like mold? Like, Oh, that, that was like, uh, three or four months in. Oh, wow. Um, I wasn't able to speak anymore. And I was communicating with pen and paper with people. I that couldn't. Yeah. God. Uh, I had some friends come and bring me groceries because I couldn't move. And they were like, um, you look like a dying cancer patient. Like, it was very bad. Um, and I went to the doctors. They didn't know what was wrong. My lungs were, like, filled up with fluid. Like, it was, no one knew what was going on. And then I had the place tested. And they were, the guy was like, you need to get out of here. So I moved in with a friend who basically took care of me, like, fed me for a long time. Nourished you back to health. Yeah. Um, but long story longer that I will summarize very quickly is what ended up happening is uh, that lasted for a while. But ultimately, I would kind of ebb and flow because my limbic system 
was so damaged from the initial exposure and probably also the stress of like my family member passing and like the divorce that it just, I never got better. And I actually would have moments where I was worse. Um, and so I never was able to like fully push through the business. And only uh, last year did I find um, this program called DNRS. It's like neuroplasticity. I did six months of brain retraining to using neuroplasticity. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, to re to reset my limbic system, and I'm fully healthy now. Like how I, long ago was this, by the way? The last year. Oh, so this this lasted nine years. That is crazy. Uh, yeah. That so this you is, suffered with this inside your system. Yeah, and the and during COVID, it was actually pretty severe. Um, but that's how I found this. I was like scouring medical journals because I was like, I can't live like this. This is crazy. Um, so, but I was very persistent. I was like, I am not, I mean, I tried, every, I, I saw doctors all over the country. They knew what was wrong. They just sure. couldn't stop my symptoms. Right. Um, which was like, you know, whatever, but, uh, but I'm super healthy now. But every time the whole point of that, though, was like every time I was in one of those, like, you know, an ebb, I was like, okay, how can I like make my business better? So you didn't downside. wallow in no, I was like, self pity of like, I what was me? No, I was like, okay, there. anything I can do now, like I shooting enough to make some money, and then it's like, okay, I want to give my clients this experience. What I want to do something that nobody else is doing. I want to have systems in place that that like I don't want to ever drop the ball. Like mm -hmm. I want, you know. How to, perf how to perfect your art yeah. and your business to the point. So you used it as an almost like a self-education yeah. downtime to really hone in and yeah. dig deep and find out like what you really want to do. Yeah, and who my target client? Who do I want my client to be? So if, if we rewind the clock a little bit, so you were doing some family family yeah. portraits, right? And um, obviously there's a million and one family portrait photographers out there with their own studios doing their own thing. At one point, and I always say the riches are in the niches, right? At what point did you want to make the switch to branding photography? So I had actually, you know, niched down a bit, even with my family photography, I was known as like the photographer that you would go to for very specific, like unusual wall art. Mm -hmm. So people would come to me because my whole thing was I wanted people to have tangible product. I didn't want them to like have a flash drive that they would never see again. So people would come to me and I would do stuff on like really cool mediums. So I was trying to niche in that market but it didn't quite feel right. And then what started happening is I had some people saying, oh, like, can I, I need a headshot? And that was terrifying to me because the family, <laughs> I could at least like, you know, families do family stuff. So they sort of kind of pose themselves. Sure, yeah. All those things. One person that was like, oh, and then I, I really can't, I was like, I don't even know what, understand lighting or any of that. But I started, I never say no to anything. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. <laughs> see what happens, right? <laughs> And so I did, I just started trying and then I started, um, I started to actually like it and I, st I took a bunch of lighting education and then I took, I, st I had always been studying posing, um, but I stepped that up even more. Um, and then I just realized like the, the world has started to shift and change and like that traditional head and shoulders headshot, mm -hmm. people wanted, were asking for more than that. And so I started calling it like personal branding, which is hilarious because now that's like a real That's I bet you were ahead of the curve. Thing. Yeah. And, but like I started doing that. I'm not saying I created personal branding, but like 
it wasn't what it is now. Like so many photographers are doing personal branding, but you know, um, and so I was doing that, not even realizing what I was doing. And I just wanted to give people images that were going to make them stand out versus that like plain head and shoulders. Um, and it was, people sort of resisted that a little bit in the beginning because they wanted to look like everybody else. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't want to, they wanted to conform to what, what everybody else was doing because that's what everybody else is doing. That was the norm, so to speak. Yeah, but now it's like, no, you want to look completely different. Otherwise, you are not going to get noticed. You have to stop and get people's attention now. Mm -hmm. If you are doing the same thing as everybody else in every picture, how are you going to stand out? Right. And I think that shift has really happened as social media has really gone crazy. Um, that, uh, yeah, I think that that is something that so it was very intentional kind of going into the the branding side of like, hey, this is, I see an opportunity here that other people aren't taking advantage of. And I have an eye for this now since I've been doing this for so many years. And you wanted really to capitalize on that market. And you also enjoyed it more yeah. so than like taking photos of us. Yeah, I right. absolutely <laughs> loved it. Absolutely loved it. So how important would you say branding is in any business, let alone a personalized like brands? Like what, what would you say is the essence of branding? Like what's the intention if someone's looking at your website, looking at your ph photographer or looking at your, your professional photos, I should say, like, what are you aiming to achieve when you're sitting down with a client? I mean, my goal is really to just learn about them, what their goals are. Because everybody has a different desire and goal. And some people don't even know what that is. They just know that they don't have a presence using themselves mm -hmm. and they want one. So, you know, I do exercises, which you have, you've gone through with me. Is oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> figure out, like, who you are. Like, how would you, you know, let's come up with some adjectives that describe you in a professional way and a personal way and figure out a way to, like, do we want to project that? And I've had clients come to me who... You know, because I asked so many questions, one of the things that happened is I realized like the adjectives and stuff that they gave me, like they weren't super friendly. And I, and I, I asked them about that and they're like, oh yeah, no, we don't want to appear friendly and approachable. We want to be like the big has bosses in the back, right, right. like have 10 levels of people. To this get law to firm, this, whatever, this, the yeah, like they, don't, they did not want to be accessible. I would have never known that mm. had I not had these like this in-depth conversation because I had to really pull that out of them. Um, it's like three guys and <laughs> men aren't no vets. No, very <laughs> forthright and like talking about like how they feel about stuff. So, sure. I mean, I I really try and dig deep and to answer to more succinctly answer your question. Like, I think it's just about what is the ultimate goal. Like, most people. They're just, they want to make more money. Why are they doing this? They want to make more money. Mm -hmm. They're trying to think outside the box to use themselves as the as a branding piece instead of just a product. And, you know, they're not really sure what to do about that. So my goal is to just help them dig into that and figure out what's the best way to accomplish it. Can you give me some sample questions that, that you would ask? And, and obviously I encourage everyone to book a session with you. But if they're unable to and they're trying to figure out what their brand is, what, what kind of questions can they maybe ask themselves that can maybe kind of hone in on what they're looking to accomplish? I mean, there's so many things that they can ask themselves. I mean, a, a lot of one thing is you can educate yourself 
with is learning about color theory and about the the meaning of certain colors. You know, if you think about big brands like Coca-Cola, mm -hmm. what do you think about Coca-Cola? Instantly red. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and like if you think about like Target. All right. Another red icon with a little dot. Walmart. Yeah, exactly. Blue. They're all they're all iconic. Right. And so a lot. Nike. Yeah. Yeah. The Nike swoosh. Like, yep. uh, and you, you think about all these colors that just automatically hit your brain. And every color has sort of an underlying meaning or association that we as humans have, um, whether it's conscious or subconscious. And you can, the, the individuals and small businesses, I, I think, don't take advantage of that enough. Like you can really come up with a personal brand for yourself and really like lean into that and be known. Like if you think, I, there's a realtor, I can't remember her name right now, but her thing is like pink. And so she chose pink as her color. She wears it all the time. She splashes it everywhere. Pink, 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 right? Pink, pink, pink. And it sounds ridiculous, but she, and in her real life, I don't think she's really that pink, but she wanted <laughs> to, she wanted to be remembered. Yeah, that's and, the association. And who did I just come up with as my example? Her, like, right. you know, so you have to also like get out of your head and remember that if you're gonna th use yourself in your personal brand, it's for marketing. So sometimes that involves doing things that maybe you wouldn't wear or like do in your real life for marketing. Like maybe a bright color isn't something you would wear in real life. But if we're trying to, if you know, we're all here scrolling on our phones, Stop the scroll. TikTok, we're trying to stop the scroll. That's it. So if you can stop the scroll and get people to like take another extra millisecond to read something that goes along with something that catches their attention, that you're ahead of the game. So I think color is really underutilized. Using color to associate with your brand is a big one. Um, I also ask people to like, think about those adjectives. I have that exercise and sure. it's like, I say, you know, uh, how would you describe your personal brand? Most people go blank. Okay, what would your best friend say about you? What are three adjectives? How would your coworkers describe you in three words, you know, in a professional setting? You have a list of nine or 12 adjectives you can start to see some patterns there. And, you know, maybe that helps you come up with a slogan. Maybe that comes, helps you think about like, you know, how you want to present yourself. I mean, there's, there's a lot there. I think that that's really key. And that's something I really appreciate it on our um, consultation call is that you said, hey, what are three words that you would describe yourself? What are you looking to achieve? For me, it's something I, I deeply think about. And I was like, I want to be classy, chic. I want it to really professional, kind of combine these imageries to, together in my head. And the ability to pull that out of someone who isn't maybe as forthcoming or yeah. hasn't really thought about it is really key. So if, if you're, I mean, it, you could take this down to every level, right? If you're a plumber, like what's the first image that kind of comes to mind? Bold, maybe. Maybe it's something yep. that's assertive. Maybe that there's something that's more mechanically inclined as opposed to if you're an event planner, you want to come across as chic and organized. So I think it, it really does do someone a service to really have this practice of them sitting down yeah. saying, okay, what do I want to be known for when I walk into a room? What do my friends say about me? Which I think is even more important because I think a lot of people might have this idea of how they present themselves, but yeah. when they ask a friend, it could be completely different. And it usually is. Yeah. When, yeah. And um, people sometimes are afraid to like compliment themselves, <laughs> but if you ask it from a friend's perspective, they feel more comfortable and safe saying like, my friend would say I'm, you know, dynamic or sure. amazing or whatever it is, you know? Um, so. I think that um, having those outside perspectives allows people to 
say things about themselves that they would maybe have trouble saying sure. about themselves. And also body language too is another one. I think, you know, if someone tells me that they are um, wanting to appear really outgoing and friendly, you want to be careful when you're presenting yourself in a video or images that you are not using closed off energy or, mm -hmm. or positioning your body that doesn't feel welcoming. Um, and for me knowing that too, like that also changes like, you know, is it someone that wants, I want to give like dynamic lighting to or so like sure. soft and, you know, there's a, there's a lot to think about. For sure. And, you know, I was really impressed also with the systems that you developed to kind of guide someone through this process. I know early on you mentioned that you were obviously heavily, heavily into sales. What kind of systems do you incorporate into your business that you feel is like key? Like, hey, if oh. I didn't have a CRM software, this would be catastrophic. It would. <laughs> and you're very organized, I will say. Yes. If I did not have a CRM, yeah. uh, it would be catastrophic. I invested in a CRM, like, I would say year two when I had, like, manila file folders <laughs> and, like, people were signing things of, like, there has got to be a better way. This, like, it was like 2012 or something. And this, it was like, I, I wasn't losing things yet, but I didn't have a lot of clients yet, but it didn't feel professional. Right. Um, and so I invested in a, a new program that had just come out. Thank God it's still around today. Um, and I have a, like a lifetime membership now, so I don't ever have to pay for it again. But What's the program? That's uh, called 17 Hats. 17 Hats. Is it specifically made for It started out that way, but it is not anymore. Um, it's open to pretty much any type of business. It's amazing. It keeps all my clients um, organized. Um, I can do, it does scheduling, it does workflows, it does you know emails. They just integrated AI. Oh, that's fascinating. Um, and uh, it, you know, it, it does all my scheduling. It's, it's, I mean, I have so many templates in there. I have one of reminders I, I saw. I, I, I mean, yeah, the reminders. I mean, I, I want there to be a lot of touch points with my clients because I think I have, there's so many pieces here. I have a stylist that they're working with. I have hair and makeup mm -hmm. and, you know, um, I have my assistant and like, I want everyone to have the proper expectations. So a, like the client shows up and understands that like so much is going on behind the scenes please put effort into this. It will only benefit you. Sure. Like a lot of touch points and information and like staying in contact, I think is important. And also like I have emails that automatically go out to the stylist that automatic with all the information about the client and like. Pretty intuitive you would say? Um, I, it's so funny to me. It seems very intuitive. <laughs> I've, I've trained a couple of people on it. For some people, they pick it up immediately. I think people who have used a CRM, it feels intuitive. If you've never used a CRM, it's the setup sure. that can be a little bit um, difficult because you have to basically create your own templates. You have to create everything for the first time. So your emails all have to be created for the first time. Your, if you use contracts, those have to be done for the first time. Like all that stuff needs to be implemented once it's there it's amazing so setup could be a little bit of a but that's with anything right any CRM is going to yeah. have that like even Salesforce the big popular one you yeah. have to go ahead and go through the process of building it out yeah but once you have those systems in place it's and the automations there amazing I'm sure it's incredible yeah yeah um so I I would assume then like as far as the operational procedure your team is always on the same page oh so it's, the CRM will help you kind of delete yes yeah and you can put like associated people on each account so if I have a client, I would now attach whoever their hair and makeup artist is to this. I would attach their stylist to that. And then I can easily, you know, 
push out things to either of those people very quickly because those people are attached. And then also I can see if I have many uh, clients happening at once, like who did I assign who to? Like which, I have two stylists. So which stylist is which with, oh, sure. is with which client? And like which hair and makeup artist is with, you know, because I have one primary, but if she's unavailable, I have others. So it keeps me very organized. I encourage it for any small business owner, like almost, <laughs> I would say day one, get yourself a CRM software. It's going to separate you from the, the person who's doing like a paper pen invoice. Yes. It'll separate you from just using a simple Outlook calendar. And even like just being invoiced with like Square, you know, right. it's, which is fine if you're doing that. Um, but it does look more professional when you're getting stuff that's logoed with your logo. It's not just an invoice coming from Square and everything is, is through the CRM. It looks intimidating. It can be intimidating. There's also cost associated sure. with CRM. Um, if you can't afford a CRM upfront, that is actually fine. Like, but work towards that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Implement it as soon as you can when yeah. you feel like you can afford it as a business owner. Yeah. The thing that I think is kind of funny is you hear all the time you have to spend money to make money. Oh, yeah, I hear that constantly, right? And it's so true, yeah. though. You know, if you implement things like that, if you are perceived now as more professional, you can probably increase your, your pricing as long as your product is good, you know? And, you, you know, you if you invest in things, your, your craft improves, your services improve, you can increase your income, you know? So I assume you're not charging $40 anymore? I'm not charging $40. <laughs> That was a slow process. Um, and uh, I remember when I was doing the family stuff, I was like, God, I'm killing myself. And I was charging like a few hundred dollars for a shoot. At, and I was like thinking like, oh man, I don't think I can charge more because everybody around here is charging this That's and right. this and this. <clears throat> and the funny thing was, there's like these different price points that you're in, but you also don't think about these things. Even though I had all this years of sales, when it's for myself, I was really struggling with like the value piece. You know, people who are spending high dollars are not the same people who are shopping necessarily at Walmart. Absolutely. So, you know, it's like you want it, people to like not nickel and dime you, but you're just attracting the wrong type of client. And so for me, I was putting out this like really high-end family work and not charging enough, but people were still like really like kicking at me about my pricing. So it made me like go, I can't charge more. If I pay cash. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so finally I just was like, I'm going to go out of business. And so I tripled my pricing overnight. I mean, people say all the time, like, do it slowly. Don't shock your whatever. And I'm like, I have to do something. And suddenly all the problem clients went away. I started booking more. Um, and it was such a, a lesson that like, if I value what I'm doing, other people will value what I'm doing. <laughs> and so with the family stuff, and then even way more expensive than I was then. But at the time, even then I was making like $5 an hour because I was spending like 20, 30 hours a client. Like right. preparation. Like I was emotion. prepping stuff for like print. So when I was, you know, editing mo like whole scenes with people and like, Stuff was going on like big canvas. It was just like a lot of work. Um, but that was very eye-opening for me as far as like value yourself, value your time, all the pieces, all the education I've had, like all the the studies and the quality and like. Um, I, I would say the, to hone in on one specific thing you said is attracting the right clientele. Yeah. Right. And that's something I struggled with 
for a long time in my own business. And you want to know your client avatar and be as specific as humanly possible. And if you're the most expensive person around, the perceptual reality is going to immediately take effect. Like, oh, they must be expensive for a reason. Mm -hmm. Like this is going to deliver the items I want, the procedure I want, the service I need, wherever it happens to be. If you start discounting your rates, you're really discounting yourself yeah. and your value. Yeah. And then it becomes a race to the bottom of like, well, build a photographer down the road is only charging 500 a session. Like, can you match it? And yeah. it's like, no, no, I can't. I'm sorry. You know, there's a reason that there's this expense exists because of, of who I am now and what I can deliver. And knowing your value as a service-based business over is so key, I think. And it's a scary place for a lot of people to get to and get through. For sure. Because initially, especially when you're starting out, you are like, I need money. I'm the only person generating money. I need money. I'll right. take anything. I'll do anything. Like, oh, you want a discount? I'll give you a discount. Like, it takes some time to get to the point where you just have to realize that is not benefiting yourself. You're not benefiting yourself. And you're doing a disservice to also the other people in the community who do what you do, who are charging a, a livable wage. And here you are going, I'll take anything. I'll give you anything. Like right. you're actually devaluing the whole industry, the industry. Local, right. Right. And that piece I think gets overlooked too. So, you know, a lot of people ask, especially in photography, oh, it must be so competitive. And it's like, yes and no. I mean, there's another photographer up the road that does similar to what I do. And like, we don't tell anyone we do this, but like I shot her images and she shot mine. And we just don't tell anybody sure. because, you know, we don't want to like, but like, I'm rooting for her. She's rooting for me. She probably knows what I charge. I have an idea of what she charges. And it's like, we want to make sure that we are all in the same ballpark so that if we're at the, a similar level, because we don't want to draw into the industry, we all want to get paid. And there's plenty of people. People think that like, there's not enough clients. I don't care what business you do. <laughs> there always are. There's always enough clients. Yeah, they, I, I notice other business owners have like, this famine mentality where it's like, they don't want to give away their trade secrets or they don't want to, everything's like kind of, behind closed doors, hush, hush, yeah. or to try to copy and imitate. And I always see like, I always say like, you should be uplifting everyone around you. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's, it, there's always gonna be another client and there's always going to be someone who's gonna value your style over someone else's. Um, and I think that's really key to hone in on your business. I mean, don't be shy to charge if you, if you know that would yeah. be your value. I mean, it's so important. And when I shifted to what I do now, which, for the record now, I'm pretty much only advertising myself as a modern headshot photographer and personal branding specialist for photography. And I don't advertise that I'm doing families or high school seniors, which is something that I did a lot of. Mm -hmm. It's buried on my website if you, it, because I will still do that for my existing clients. And if someone called, maybe I would do it. I don't know. Uh, certainly for existing clients. But if you go to my website, you have to go all the way to the bottom <laughs> And it says like other portfolios. It's not like bold or highlighted yeah, or anything. Not no, not but it is there because I want to be known as the specialist for headshots and branding in this area. I want people to, when they think branding, I want people to go, oh, you have to go see her. Yeah. And I, uh, shifting the social media, you have a really great presence on social media where you're constantly showing behind the scenes. Um, and I think as more clients, potential clients see that, they know what you're about. So yeah. as soon as they, before they even get to the website, they know Samantha is a branding photographer. Yes. And, yeah. And that's that's the, the idea I would assume. Yeah. And I like doing that too because it also shows like who I am, 
my personality. It's my way of putting my brand forward. Sure. And by doing that, I also feel like it sort of curates the type of client I get. People who come to me already feel like they know me a little bit and they can see me who I am, which means that I don't really have a lot of difficult clients or clients I don't think I'm going to mesh with. I don't, there's just something really amazing about when you put yourself out there, Mm -hmm. you pull in the people that you're going to get along with. Like, I can't remember the last time I had a client that I was like, oh, this is awful. I have to get through this type. No, I, everybody I work with is so fun. Every person is so different. So it doesn't feel stale. I never, I don't ever feel burned out because I have someone like yourself, but then sure. I have someone coming up that I'm uh, photographing in September who's like a voiceover artist and I'm photographing all his characters because he also wants to do like Oh, that's acting. amazing. And so he's like, you know, he has this like Viking look. So he wants to like look like he could be a Viking or he could look like, you know, a guy in a suit or a clown. Like, you right. know, so I mean, it's just never the same. It's always fun and exciting. That, that's that's amazing. And not, and I'm going to brag for you, but you have shot a couple celebrities. I Chevy Chase. I did. I photographed Chevy Chase in October. Um, I have an amazing friend. His name is, um, I'm going to give him a shout out, Patrick Ganino. Um, he is the most amazing mural artist, but he also does um, some social media marketing and stuff for celebrities. I've known Pat for a really long time, and he is also someone who believes, like, bring up the people around you. Yep. And so anytime he has an opportunity to like bring me in on something fun, like he has, and I have met some incredible people because of him um, who are his clients. So like, you know, um, Chevy Chase, I was at his house photographing him for some promo stuff. I've also like done a ton of other stuff like the uh, bands and like, I don't know, uh, gosh, uh, Tattoo Rescue, that show. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, some people from MTV, like some MTV, like reality stars and like uh, musicians and like there's just the gambit. Yeah. So fun. That's a lot of fun. So fun. And then I've also had some just like weird celebrity things, too, on my own just because I have a big mouth. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's just been a, this job has really just it is so it, it's some weird doors have opened. Like, it's just so fun. Well, you seem like you have a natural vitality about you. Oh, thank you. That just kind of exudes things <laughs> around you. So I, I'm I'm glad to see the years of kind of slogging and seeing your journey kind of come yes. to this amazing place. Yeah. So year one was 4,000. Yes. When, when was the tipping point where like, oh, I have like, this is a business. Like this is starting to like stand on its own two legs. I would probably say like five years ago, when I got, let's see, I'm trying to think maybe it was more than more than five now. Maybe it was like, maybe seven years ago when I got my first studio. Okay. Because when you get a studio, suddenly it's like, oh, I have, I have like this other bill now. Yeah. And, Lights a fire a little bit, say at least. Yeah. And so my first studio I shared with another photographer. I think I paid like $200 a month to share with her. And it was fine. It was, I was still doing family photography, but like, it just wasn't right. And then I eventually went to my own studio, this little studio in Madison, in downtown Madison, which was so cute. It was right on the main downtown Madison, like behind all the shops. It was in this little old historic ice house. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> I was on a lake and it was beautiful, but it didn't have air conditioning or heat <laughs> and it was not insulated and it was like brutal and like to go through the winter. And I was like, I just couldn't do it anymore. So, but I've had three or four studios, um, and each one has been bigger and more expensive. 
Um, and I think it just helps you with your presence. Like people take you more seriously when you have a studio, like not sure. coming to my living room, right, right. like do some headshots, you know, and just, I think just, um, I've already lost track of your question, but I know you're fine. But, uh, what, what, um, and you have to de dilute if you're not comfortable, but what would you say your gross income top line is now? I mean, so it really depends, but I mean, my monthly average is anywhere between like seven and 15,000 a month. Good for you. Thank That's you. awesome. Thank you. But that took a really long time. Oh, it's not, not a lot of success here. For <laughs> a really sure. long time to get there. And also you have to be okay with the discomfort of knowing that you are probably one of the most expensive photographers in the area. Like I know I'm probably one of the most expensive photographers in this area and I'm okay with that because I believe that what I do and what I bring is so different that, and people don't have no problem paying. When they see what they're getting, I don't have anyone complain about it. Um, I've, I, is if I can get someone to my consultation so they can see what it is we do. And if they have a need for something like this, um, I, I, I rarely have, I mean, that's not true. People will say, oh, that's a lot of money, but then they say, but it seems like this is really worth it. Right. So I'm not getting people saying this seems like a ripoff. I heard this from this guy named Alex Ramosi, who has a, a really amazing podcast. And he said, if people aren't gasping at your price <laughs> during your consultation, <laughs> you're not quite there yet. Yes. And I do get that. But, um, uh, you know, I try to make things, um, accessible. Like I have, um, I'm a merchant with Synchrony Bank. Mm -hmm. So I offer interest-free financing up to a year. Um, I do like self, uh, like almost like a layaway situation. They don't get their images until it's paid in that sure. situation, but synchrony they would, but, um, I try and, and I mean, listen, I am someone who a long time ago was like, I want my work to be available to everyone. That's not a business. And there are photographers, there will always be photographers who are just starting out, who are great for people who can't afford photography. Exactly. And those people will start to get better and they'll charge more and then new beginners will come in. There will always be people at that level for those people who cannot afford photography. That is not me, I wanna make a living, I wanna sure. earn a living. And you've earned it, I would say, and, through the, the decades of experience. Yeah, and so I'm okay. And, and to combat that though, I do give away, like, I mean, I do give back mm -hmm. to the community with my photography, like, I do things like that. Um, so it's not like I'm not just like selfishly taking, I do try and, and do, do something like that. If you had to speak to the younger Samantha, huh. right? You're just, you're just starting out again. Yeah. And speaking to anyone really who wants to get into this industry, what advice would you give on what you would do differently? Uh, really hone in on, instead of thinking about me so much, really think about the client's needs service and charge more because there are photographers out there who you charge even more than me and their work is okay right right if you're good at business and you charge enough like a living wage i'm not saying rip anybody out. i'm just saying charge charge a, a industry standard mm -hmm. wage and pay attention to the client's needs if the work is not perfect, that's okay. You can always hire a retoucher to help retouch. Like, like just be more be more confident. I would tell myself like to just think more about the client's needs and also charge a charge a wage that's like livable. Right, right. Instead of penny pinching. Yeah, not where I'm at now. This is different, but like so, just something more livable. I would, if you put your clients first and foremost, it will 
pay dividends for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, as opposed to saying like, what can I do? Say, what can I, what can I do for yeah. you? Yeah. And, I, for, and I've seen it in my own business where, where it comes back constantly. Um, but Samantha, I think we're, we can wrap it right there. Yeah. This has been wonderful. Um, please let everyone know where they can find you if they want yeah, to book a consultation, sure. yes. get started. Absolutely. So um, you can find me on Instagram, CT underscore photographer. I'm also on Facebook, uh, Samantha Annette Photography. Um, anyone who wants to reach out to me and is interested in having a consultation, I will just right on the spot. I'll say here, I will, I will give a $500 off any package to anyone for the month. Uh, we'll say till November one. So to some, we'll say to the end of the year, because yep. I don't know when this is going to come out. So there we are coming on in the next couple of months, guys, yeah. just kind of ramping up here again, Samantha. You are the best. Yes, thank you, thank so, you so much, much. for having me. This, this, is, this has so been fun. wonderful. Yes, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for tuning into Service Business Success with Class. Are you craving more strategies to supercharge your business growth? You can connect with me at successwithclass.com or on my Instagram at Stevie Class. And remember, when you hit subscribe, it's a win-win. You'll get your hands on all the latest tips and you'll be supporting the show too. Thanks again for joining. Until next time.